0: Pastor Doug talked last week about how we would be going back to doing gospel moments and some training. I want to invite David Kennedy up. He's going to do something a little different. He's going to talk and sign. That's why I have the mic here stationed. He's going to give our gospel moment, and then we'll get into God's Word. David.
1: Good morning. For all those who don't know me, my name is David Kennedy, and I've been going to Cornerstone for about four years now, and so this is my first gospel moment. Um, for those of you, what's that? And Cross Train now. now, sorry. <laughs> Started off with a, with, a, with a flinch to the old name. Um, so we have been here now, like I said, for four years, and um, for those of you that don't know, my family and I were Jehovah's Witnesses for 23 years, and um, the opportunity to share what Christ has done in my life in a few brief stories is, is, a, is a wonderful opportunity for me. Um, for that many years in the organization as a Jehovah's Witness, then um, I'm supposed to be signing too. I just need to calm down for a minute. Okay. (laughs) That's better. So for that 23 years, the organization itself was really teaching me how to take God and Christ and the Spirit and adopt Him into a worldly organization and how to make that match. And when I left that, for the last four years, I've had an opportunity now to have my life changed because of who Christ is in our family's lives. And I want you all to learn this, this is amen. So say amen, we do. Which, interestingly enough, is the same sign for help. Amen. So now our lives have changed dramatically because everything we do in this gospel Uh, story is, uh, this glory story is not about me, it's all about Christ and what he's done into my life. I want to make that very clear. So I've been praying specifically for wanting to share my testimony and wanting to share with others. When I'm traveling it's hard in an office because I've been sitting, recently I changed my job and now I'm working, I'll be traveling again and every opportunity that I've had when I've traveled and now in my office I've had opportunities to share him. So Three very brief stories that have really made my heart full. The first one, um, I had an opportunity about three months ago, and I bring on distributors in my job that I've now changed. I don't have to do that anymore. And um, this this man who's the vice president of the company said we had just. He had had focused on one word that I had used because I was talking about being in Dallas as part of Pioneer Bible Translators, that I'll be there eventually. He stopped the conversation with all of his other partners. Tell me more about that. I want to talk about God for a second. So we talked, and I gave him my testimony at that time, and then we shared a lot more stories. And when I traveled down to Texas and actually visited them, For an hour and a half, all we did was talk about glory stories. He's in the prison ministry, and I was crying. You know me, you all know me. I was crying and I'd share stories of things that have happened here in my friendships and the things that are above. So he was crying. So in a a professional situation like that, where I'm supposed to be matching what I'm doing, here I'm having these conversations. The second one, um, about two months ago, There's a man who started, I'm bringing on, he lives in Georgia, his name's Wade. And he had talked about, he had an amazing story that he had spinal meningitis and he had recovered from that. And then he said to me, I just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm searching for words. God really delivered me from that. I said, wow, that's awesome. Let's stop for a minute and talk about that because I want to tell you my story and I want to hear yours more. So we went on for about an hour, and he was a, he'd only been a Christian, accepted Christ, I think for about a year, so we had a discussion, it was nice, the name of his distributorship is BGD, LLC, so the next day, he sends me an email, he says, I've never told this to anyone before, but that BGD, by God's design, and it was very cool, and then about a week later, he had called me, called me again, and we were talking in the morning. And he said, "He said, and I have to do the accent because you know Georgia." He says, "David." He goes, "David, I just want to ask you. I know your this isn't your job, but I just want to ask you. I have self, I have self doubts, and I I don't know if I'm good enough to be a Christian." And I'm sitting there, and I'm like. God had given me the perfect person. And I said, well, let me tell you, I'm the poster boy. For when I made my change was, was I good enough? Was I strong enough? Was this change for me? Well, obviously, four years later, the answer is a resounding yes. But to have me have the freedom of my speech to be able to now guide him through that. And we just spoke yesterday again on the phone. I was explaining my job change because he's a little bit, his heart's a little crushed. I said, I'm here for, you, here for you, brother, I will be, and so you don't have to worry about me leaving. And he says, I'm having so much anxiety about how I'm going to make this business work. And I said, you know, stress comes from not having enough information. You don't have enough information yet, because I connected my first glory story to the second glory story, because they can support each other, and he can learn from him, so they're now, now they're connected, I said, so they're talking on Monday, I said, so wait till Monday, when you have enough information that you can have decision for this weekend, just pray, just be focused on that, third really fast story, uh, pest control guy came to our house two days ago, and I have I have many more stories of just me being about, and being able to share these that I can tell you later if you want more, but um, this one he comes to the door, and it's hot, and he wants to convince me that he wants to use his pest control, right? So I said, come inside. He's a young man, kind of tall. I said, it's hot. He goes, really? Like he never gets invited in? I said, yeah, you know, I'm not worried. Come on. So we come down at the counter. So he comes all the way in, and Shannon's eating, and she's like, oh, hi. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, you know. Uh, so uh, we start having discussions. She continues to eat a little bit, so it's not really she's focused. So we're talking about things, and I signed to Shannon. He goes, that is so cool. How do you know that? Oh, well, my wife is deaf. He goes, I never knew that, because he was there earlier, earlier in the day. And um, so, as we're having the discussion, I start talking about Pioneer Bible Translators, and how I'm learning, and you know, trying to make progress, and that's our future goal. And he goes, we just know it's our calling. And he stops. Do you mind if I ask you, how do you know that's your calling? I said, well, Let me tell you how I know. It's through training and learning, accepting Christ, and then making that my mission. It's not about me. When you have that spiritual relationship with God and Christ, you just know. And I know a place that you can come and find out that for yourself if you want to come, because that's where I learned. But it's all about Christ. So we have the opportunity to share these things. And for me, coming from where I came from, To where I'm now looking forward now, I'll be traveling every week to have more opportunities to share. And I just want to, not counsel, but just, if you just come on Sundays and you just read the Bible. And then you stop until that next Sunday. You're not just missing out on your life because Christ gives us the opportunity to share and that builds relationships and relationships is where you really see Christ shining through because I could have just held back like I did for 23 years and I traveled for most of that 23 years and I never talked about Christ and now I do and it changes your life. Amen, right?
0: So while we're transitioning, before we read God's word, I see a lot of new faces today. And before I introduce the concept we're going to talk about today, why don't you stand up and if you see somebody that you don't know, shake their hand and tell them that you're glad they're here because we're glad you're here. Stand up and shake someone's hand and welcome them to the joy of what the Lord's doing today. All right, enough of this loving going around. Find your seats. And if in the process of talking with someone, you want to sit with them now, you can find their seats too. You see, what we do here in community is this. We share life with one another. We talk, we laugh, we pray, we cry, but we do it together as a family, friends that have now become more than that. And as we walk into the message today, my encouragement to you guys is some of the conversations you started today continue after, continue this week. My name is Jeff Dawkus, I'm one of the elders, and I get the privilege of talking to you today about the road to cross training. But to open this properly, I'm going to have my son Ethan read from the Word of God, so please Stand up. You're going to open up to 2 Timothy. Shouldn't have had you sit down, I know. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Ethan's going to read out of verses 1 through 10.
2: You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him. And if someone likewise competes as an athlete, he is not crowned as a victor, unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember, Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, descended of David according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal." But the work of God is not imprisoned. For these reasons, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory.
0: Thank you. This is the word of God. You may be seated again. Thank you, son. So today, we're going to talk about something that Ethan pointed out. Remember Jesus Christ in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Now on the screen behind me, there will be things going throughout the message, and I want you to follow along, but I also want to introduce you to something that's in your bulletin this week that's a little different. I printed out a training worksheet, because if you're training, you should write down what you do. And so going through our table talk questions today, this is where you can write down some of the things we're going to talk through, but I really want to draw your attention to that because we're going to be using that through the service. So let me talk about something around the room here that we hadn't seen before. For you guys that are in the different areas, you can see up here by the speaker, There are kneeling pads. Do you see the boxes of kneeling pads? There's some over there. Tina Price is holding one. There's one in the back over there. There's four different boxes of pads on, around the room. If you ever are in a point where during prayer time or something comes up, you're praying with a brother or sister and you need to kneel down or you want to do that. Take a kneeling pad. I did today, and so <laughs> my knees are grateful for that. <laughs> I just want to make that aware for you guys. Let me, let me introduce the training thought for today. Our training thought is this. Crave Jesus, train hard, and teach his truth to others. So crave Jesus, train hard, and teach his truth to others. I'm wearing our cross-train bracelet, and on the bracelet it says 2 Timothy 2.2, 2. and that was also part of the verse that Ethan read. And let me just remind you, 2 Timothy 2, two says, And these things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these things entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? That's important because as we walk through today's message, this is a two-part message. I'm teaching today, Pastor Doug will teach next week on this Road to Cross training. We wanted to give everyone in our church an idea about how we are going to approach this training people to teach God's truth mentality. Because as has been said up here before and in personal conversations, we are doubling down on God's truth and building it through his word in the lives of other people and relationships, okay? So just to recap where we've been, we finished up the summer in the soul loss here last week and Scott did a, an amazing job on that. And so I appreciate his heart. And it set the stage for launching us into serious cross-training, didn't it? As we talk about wanting to be relational with one another, we're going to talk about the tools we need to be successful in that journey. So before we even get into three points today, and I'm going to talk about these three points. The points are strength training, which is going to be train foundational. The second one is endurance training, teach mightily. And the third is high-intensity interval training, Jesus is our truth. And before we get into the meat there, I want to talk about some pre-workout some pre workout, preparing smart. <laughs> I already got people laughing. But it's important to pre workout smart. So, in the opening in 2 Timothy 2 1 through 10, if you focus on, on what was said about remembering Christ and about teaching people, think about the why. What's the end goal for this? What was the end goal? Paul was talking to Timothy, right? The end goal, this is Paul's last letter. He, he's gonna die. And he knows it. And in that moment when people are facing death, they tell you things that are on their heart in a way that is so distilled and raw and real that you know it has to be their heart. I've been in law enforcement 22 years, and I've had the the pleasure of holding people's hands as they've transitioned from life to death many, many times. And they tell you things. They look at you and they say one word. And then I wonder how often we walk around our weeks having conversations with people that we say we love, I love you brother, I love you sister, and we're not even willing to scratch the surface with what's in our heart. And so we're going to prepare smart and we're going to think about the why. What's our church's revitalized mission? Well, it's to train people to teach God's truth. That's our why statement. Everything we do should draw from there. And the why is we live to magnify God to everyone. We live to magnify God to everyone. And the what, the truth of Jesus, is the means to everything. And the how, we're going to learn his word, we're going to trust his heart, and we're going to live his mission. So if you've been around me for any length of time, you know that I'm kind of big on words mattering. Specific words mean specific things. And definitions matter. And I want to bring up a definition I came up. It'll be on the screen here of what a cross trainer is. A cross trainer, the process of consistently learning about the person of Christ over a lifetime of shared community experiences to manifest Jesus as Lord to the world. Is that a fair definition? But here's the thing. I see some heads nodding up and down. If you agree with that definition, how are we doing with that? Are you willing to be that kind of cross trainer? Because the process, you guys, is a trade: or apathy for focus. It's letting go of who you are and what you have. It was the example brought up in Luke when he, he says, leave it all behind and follow me. Are you willing to be a disciple? Because that's the cost. It's setting everything aside. It's, it's literally following Christ at the literal expense of your life. We're seeing it around the world. We're seeing in our country now that there are some choices that people are making about things that they hold strong beliefs about and yet still not pushed to the point of death. And then I read what's going on in the Middle East, what happened, right? And I read what happened in Turkey, and you read what happened in Haiti with the earthquake. And I just think, in those moments of distilled truth, who is ready to talk about Christ? Because the people that do are getting killed, and they're saying, all right, remember Jesus Christ. They're taking what they know and entrusting it to faithful men. So last week, Scott painted a picture of 2 Timothy 2.4, setting a picture of a soldier single-mindedly focused on a general's mission. And our mission's been sent by the general of the universe. So that's important to remember. And he's called us to engage first in our family here. So engage in the D groups. Here's my just shameless plug. Get in a D group. They're gonna start up here soon. If you don't know what I'm talking about, what discipleship groups are about, talk to me, talk to one of the elders, talk to somebody at your table that knows, but get involved you can talk, Scott's raising his hand. Or he's, Scott's ready to have everybody go to his house for a D group. I'm sure he'd love that. But that's where it starts. We're all going to be doing the same thing so that in Scripture, we have an easy way with the people of our church to have these conversations. It's an important thing. So we're still in the pre-workout phase, and so we need to think about what kind of equipment we need to do our workout correctly. You need your Bible, Holy Spirit, need the one another's in family. A heart for discipleship, replication, and celebration, and as I said, your training worksheets. Training worksheets, guys, I want to talk about this again. It's your personal guide. It's when you look back going through this week, it's what's going to help hold you personally accountable to the things that you write down, and believe me, you're going to write some stuff down. And the hope is that you'll have conversations with one another and just one thing, just one thing that you can do to strengthen your relationship with the Lord what happens if we don't work out? Let's talk about some consequences of poor spiritual health for a second. Brian talked about the famine in the land, and I want to point out what happens in Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Look at this again on the screen. It reads, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I'll send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. And so I've read that many, many, many times. And in preparation for this message, that just came into my mind. Like, this has got to be where we start. And here's the thing that really hit me this time. I have looked at this, and I've said, yes. So God's word's going to be taken from all of us, and we're not going to be able to speak his word in truth. We're not going to be able to have a Bible. We're not going to be able to do different things. But I'm telling you something different happened this time. God's famine is in our homes. God's famine that he's taken is from our hearts. Do you see? Do do you see that going around? Because when we're not willing to engage and say, Lord, here, here's my life. When you can't get up in the morning every day and share time with him, when you can't just reflect, whatever that looks like with you, when you can't then say, yeah, my life is different and here's why. You are starving You're starving. You're in a famine. And what happens in a famine? Well, all the resources go away. There's no food and there's no water and you die. So we don't want that. And I know that David brought it up before, but he said, if only getting together on Sundays, if that's the way you're feeding your soul, you are on a very, very famine diet. Feast on the Lord for he is good. He is Check your pulse, church. <laughs> Feast on the Lord, for he is good. Can I get an amen? amen. The Lord says to Israel in the Old Testament, in Second Chronicles 7.20, it says, Then I'll uproot you from my land, which I've given you, and this house which I've consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And I'll make it a proverb and a byword among all the peoples. So we don't want to be known as a people that God is going to make a proverb and a byword We want to be a people that feast richly on what God has to offer. So we're going to explore this biblical character that we need to have through three different examples of stories in God's word today. So if you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, you can raise your hand and we'll have a man uh, go ahead and give you a Bible. And you can keep it as our gift to you if you need that. So have your training worksheets and get ready because we're going to start training. The three topics, again, strength training, endurance training, and high-intensity interval training. So we start with Paul's command that Ethan read to Timothy to entrust to faithful witnesses all that he learned to teach others. And any good workout program starts with a good foundation. And so we're going to do what Paul commands as we cross-train well this way. So our first point, strength training. We're going to start with strength training as we see in the life of Samson. So open up to Judges 13. Judges 13. Judges 13 is in the Old Testament. It's about five or six books in from Genesis, or to quote my pastors, to the right of Genesis, to the left of Revelation. It's like in the Old Testament there, in the first part. You're going to be in Genesis 13. Not um, not Genesis, but Judges 13. So I'm going to move around a little bit, but I want to anchor you here first. So in Judges 13, let me turn there, Samson is being commissioned, and his parents are being commissioned to raise a Nazarite priest and consecrate him unto the Lord. That's, that's what's happening. Judges 13, I said. Let me read to you from Judges 13, verses 2 and 3. And there was a certain man of Zorah to the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold now, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. And later on in chapter 13 and verse 24, walk with me there. Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew up and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord, verse 25, began to stir him in Mahiadan between Zorah and Eshtel. Now, His start was a good foundation. He was commissioned and blessed by the Lord. Now let's see what happens in chapter 14, verses 5 and 6. Samson now is growing up. And it reads, Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah. Behold, a young lion came roaring toward him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that he tore him as one tears a kid, though he had nothing in his hand. And he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. Interesting. And just as a quick plug, if you have those strong training accomplishments, those personal bests, like when I hear glory stories, that's your personal best. He kept it to himself. We want to magnify that. We want to give God a chance to have his name put on display. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And so if you continue, you can see in verse 19, again, listen to this phrase, in the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashon and killed 30 of them and took their spoil. So this concept of the spirit of the Lord being strong in Samson's life, that's really what let him be the man he was. And he was raised up as a judge of Israel. It was because he started his foundation well. The Lord had blessed him. His parents were godly people, and they had prayed. You see, they, they had prayed, and they were blessed with Samson. Now I'm going to walk you over to chapter 16. So maybe it's a page turn for you. Go to chapter 16 and read with me in verses 19 and 20. So Samson now wants to be married and he comes across Delilah. For those of you who don't know the story, we're not going to cover all of it today. But certainly when you get distracted on your focus and you reset your training parties to something else. I joke with my wife, I think... This year, of all years, I have like 19 or 20 day ones of my workout, you know? When your training focus gets reset, all of a sudden you just stop and you look around and go, I haven't worked out in like a week. And you just, oh, I'm on the only one, right? I'm the only one here that's never done that. Okay, right. So you get to a point where if your training priorities get reset, you just get your focus gone. But Samson... We're going to see what happens here. His training focus got reset by Delilah. Now, look here in verse 19. And she made him sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. And then she began to afflict him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I'll go out as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. And do you, do you see the contrast, right? He starts off and runs his whole life in the spirit of the Lord, and the spirit of the Lord, and the spirit of the Lord. In fact, it's like five times before he gets to this part. And then he remembers Jesus Christ, who is widely seen in the Old Testament, by the way. He remembers that he's been blessed by God, and he was sanctified, he was set apart as a Nazarite. And he still petitions God, and look what happens in verse 28 through 30. Then Samson called to the Lord, See, let's we'll stop there for a second. When Samson called the Lord, what he was saying is something that Pastor Doug talked about last week, or uh, two weeks ago. He said, when, when God is holding on and we're holding up like this, it was Brian's story, we just pull away. And God hangs up, it hangs on to us. But when we reach there, he's always there to hold us. Then Samson called the Lord and said, O oh, Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this time, O oh God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson graps the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he braced himself against them, the one with his right and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines, and he bent with all his might, so that the house fell on the Lord's, and all the people were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed in his life. For those of you who know the story of Samson, he was a warrior, and he took out God's vengeance on people all around him. And he said he still killed more people then. And the question I asked when I was reading this and thinking is, well, why is that? Why did God treat him this way? Because I I will share with you, there have been moments, um, praise God, not recently, where I've experienced that dark winter of the soul. Has anyone else ever experienced the dark winter of the soul by a show of hands? I mean, it's a real thing, and so before you have that happen in your life, you can feel like everything's going fine, everything's going great, and the minute you take your training focus off where it needs to be, that's when the enemy, who roars like a, like a prowling lion, just waiting to pick you off, that's when he steps in your face. All right? and so that dark one in the soul that torments me, it tormented me. And so what I got out of this, when I see that I had too much work going on, I had too much activities. I had less time with my sweet wife and children. I had too much alcohol. I Frankly, I had too much excuses. That was the time that I knew that I had just been pulling away, and when someone had come to me and said, what you're doing is not right. Sometimes you need to just say no. That's when God, when I looked up, and his hand was still there, and I was able to reach onto to it. And I get strengthened like you should from Samson's example for what's coming again for I'm sure another winter of the soul. But this time we've trained well and our foundation in strength is set. So how do we do this? We have intentionality with authentic prayer, hard accountability with good men and time again in the Lord. Time again in the Lord, that's what brought me back. So let's talk about application. So if we're gonna strength train, Here's the application. We all need to set a base of strength in the word first if we want to see any kind of sustained long-term growth. And if we want to set up good habits, then we need to have faith. That has to withstand these dark winters. So how do you do that? We're going to take a couple minutes here. How do you build that strength? I want you guys to answer this question on your tables. And in the chairs, maybe turn around and have some of these conversations. Just two or three minutes. Talk with your table or the people around you. Come up with solid ways to set a good foundation for lasting spiritual habits. Write down, all of you, write down one, one of these ways in your training worksheet that you'll commit to building strong throughout September. Okay, go take your two or three minutes. All right, so hopefully you guys have come up with some good conversation. I'm just going to call on some different people for feedback because I'm up here and I have a hot mic and I can do that. Scott McAllister, what did your table talk about? What's one thing that you can do to create strong spiritual habits? If you guys in here? he said, just one thing, be still before the Lord. Be still before the Lord. Brian Johnson. What about you guys? The chairs over there. So he said the importance of being in His Word daily, and not just okay, I did it and I checked it off my little list, but being with God in His Word. Sometimes, you guys, it may be one verse. Sometimes, you may read two or three chapters. Ooh, ooh, oh, oh, <laughs> oh! Kick me! Kick <laughs> me! So I guarantee that what Pastor Doug's going to say is probably going to dovetail what I'm going to do. But hey, Pastor Doug, what do you think? Take the- there you go. So, a week from Tuesday. Yeah. so, in a shameless plug that's actually in my notes, he that he may have known, right? So, yes, starts a week from Tuesday. Take the foundations class. We are going to cover, and if I had it, if I was thinking about it, I would have had my little foundations book, but they're out there at the connector table. It says foundations on it. You can't miss it. Take the foundations class, and Pastor Doug's gonna add more to that, apparently. No,
1: we we had a better one that my my table is mocking. They came up with was surround yourself with strong, what was the
0: other yeah. strong, solid saints. Strong, solid saints. Surround yourself with strong, solid saints. Gosh, I wonder, can you do, can you guys can you do that at your home by yourself? Probably not. I mean, praise God that I'm in a family where we can talk openly about the Word of God. Some places, some families you can't, right? So you surround yourself with strong spiritual saints. So if you've written these things down, you wrote it down now, you're accountable. One of the things my son said was, have an accountability partner. Bam, right? Big deal. So when you connect your body and your mind and your spirit for one purpose, you can achieve just amazing things. And once your base of strength has been set, You have to increase your endurance so that you can sustain a long-term habit. These habits that we're trying to have you build through the end of September, I want to see sustained in your life. I want to see spiritual growth come out of this so a year you have new habits that you're building on. So the long-lasting habit of teaching mightily as you represent the Lord is our second point. Endurance training, how to teach mightily. We're going to talk about Elijah. So turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17 is a little bit after Judges. It's after the Samuels. So Judges, and then 1st, 2nd Samuel, then 1st Kings. So 1st Kings chapter 17. The purpose of this example about Elijah is to highlight to you guys how long-term, enduring persistence, trusting God in all things, leads to glorifying him in his name. So as you get to 1st Kings chapter 17, I'm just going to read one verse, and then I'm going to move to chapter 18. Listen to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So he's standing as an ambassador for Jesus. And he's, he's bringing it up. He's going to say, you're not getting any rain. You're not getting anything. And if you know that story, God honors that. And so obviously, Ahab is not pleased. And you can see some of these things up here that will come up. Some of these, as we'll, as we'll see here, uh, ended up in a bad result. Chapter 18, look what happened. So ultimately, what ends up happening is Ahab sends people to go and deal with Elijah, either to kill him or just to force him to make rain come again. And the Lord steps in the way all these times. And eventually, the Lord empowers Elijah because Elijah has been with the Lord. He stood with the Lord and in front of the people for the Lord. He had strong endurance and watch what he does. There were 850, that's 850 people that rose up against him at Mount Carmel. And he says, why don't you go ahead then, and if your God is God, fine, go ahead and build an altar, and take all the time you want, and then you pray to your God, and have fire come down from heaven, and and we'll see what happens. And if you know the story, um, I don't teach it as well, I'm sure, as other people, but at one point he says, maybe your God's in the bathroom, that's why he's not here, maybe he's (laughs) tired, maybe he's sleeping. And you can you can tell like that's almost me going. I just want to mock these guys because I know what's coming. But Elijah says, I'm, well, I'm going to read what he says. So in 1 Kings 18, verse 19. Let me get there. Actually, I'm going to go back a little bit for, a little farther. There we go. So farther on down, I'm not going to take you to where I started. I want to go to verse 37, because I just summarized about the 850 people. Now go to verse 37. Listen to what Elijah says. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. Why? That the people may know that thou, O Lord, art God, and that thou had turned their heart back again, not on his own, but for the Lord. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Amen? 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 Amen. Right? So why did Elijah have that endurance? Because he was daily connected to the word of God. In fact, he was running the race with endurance set before him. We've heard that before in Hebrews. So how did it play out? Well, he used his firm commitment that the Lord's name would be held high and praised by everyone to teach a mighty lesson. And everyone that watched said, the Lord, he is God. So how did Elijah do what he did? He never engaged with the enemy until the fame of the name of the Lord was called out. So how often, guys, do we fight our own battles on behalf of the Lord? I'm going to get on social media and do this, and I'm going to tell this guy this, and if they come over here with this, I'm going to say this, 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 this. And I remember years ago, my pastor at Rancholano said, come on, God, hurry up. He's running, and we're just waiting for God to catch up because we're fighting our own battles. And the battles that we feel are important are not the ones sometimes the Lord wants us to fight. More importantly, how are we glorifying God's name? You want to be strong and have endurance and teach mightily? Represent Christ. Represent Christ. Elijah, stand in front of people and say, for the Lord, he is God, with a zeal as my sister Jamie has. It's amazing. He knew his priorities, and he committed fully when it was time to act. And he was able to do that because he had a strong foundation. Do you see where I'm going with this? Build the foundation. So here's the application. Elijah's feet, and this is serious, it was verified as a historical miracle. There are extra-biblical writings that will talk about this. And it was one that spread to everyone in the land That was the evangelism explosion. That was a true EE right there. So how can we show that type of endurance as we look to teach mightily through our words and lives? And how can we show the change that Jesus has done? Well, our second table talk, I'm glad you asked. You're going to have a chance to practice that. Discuss with your table or in the chairs ways to demonstrate enduring habits in your spiritual life. So what way can you demonstrate that? And I want you to write down one of those ways, again, on your training worksheet. This is different than how you would build spiritual habits. How then can you take what you know and demonstrate that? And if you've never done this before, well, it could be a good plan for you. Maybe you're setting yourself up with a good foundation and a second good plan. So take a couple minutes, and then I'm going to go around the room. And we'll talk more. All right, so again, now that we're all friendly and everybody's talking, you guys have hopefully take what your discussion, to, for you personally, you don't have to agree on one thing as a table, for you personally, what's one thing and you've written it down? So, just hypothetically, wife, <laughs> what was one thing that was talked about at the table here? We're about, in general, practicing the things that you know. Mm-hmm. So what Brandy said is when you serve other people, and as an example, the blessings come back to you. So taking that what you've learned and putting it into practice, serving other people, right? Josh, as I'm interrupting you guys, I'm sorry. What was one thing that you guys were talking about at your table with you or at the chairs back there? Perfect. So what what Josh had said was he demonstrates that because him and his wife get up in the morning and do their Bible time so that they know when their kids get up and their kids awake and see them in God's word. Parents, as a plug, there is no greater parenting tool. There is no greater parenting tool for your children to get closer to God than how they watch you. If you are a committed disciple of Christ and you're modeling that, just even passively by reading God's word and your kids come downstairs and they see it or they come across the room and like, what are you doing? You have opened up pathways that you can't even buy with the amount of money that everyone has in the whole world. You'll get right into their heart. Years ago, Luke would come downstairs and he just would go like this. His eyes would be sleepy and he would go like this and wave this way because that's where I was doing Bible. And one day... I actually was on the couch. I was somewhere else. I wasn't at the table. And he still comes downstairs and he just goes like this. The habit of him knowing where I would be, well, it shocked him when he looked over and he went, uh, and, you know. But God's word through endurance was able to teach a passive example and then we can bless others by serving. So those are great things to talk about. I would also add, participating in cross-training at church, foundations class, <laughs> inviting coworkers or neighbors. You heard David's story about the pest control guy he's like hey I know where this is going to be taught why don't you come come and see the Bible says so we look at strength training to build a foundation and a base for our faith and then we just saw how endurance training in Elijah's life set him apart to teach mightily so let's see what happens when you press into high intensity interval training to live a life displaying Jesus as your truth so our last point is that it's it's going to be focused on Peter's story So before I go there, I know that Adam Griffin is extremely excited. There's going to be hit training going on. He's really excited about this. So I want to to highlight Peter. So Scott last week talked a little bit about Peter. I want to expand a little bit more on Peter. Peter was a rugged, salt-of-the-earth type fisherman. He was accustomed to hardship, disappointment, emotional highs and lows that come from getting a catch and then having it not happen. And then Jesus entered his life. So I'm not going to take the time to go into the full journey with Jesus that Peter had. We've talked about it from the front and we've read about it in different studies. But just, if you're a little unclear, Peter was, and I wrote this down, brash, overconfident, outspoken, hard on his sleeve guy who then was taught by the master and flourished into the established leader of the first church. That's truth. And I kind of have all those qualities, not the leader of the first church, the brash, outspoken, overconfident (laughs) But you know what? It's ordinary people that God's using to electrify the world, the community. We're talking about in our study, 12 ordinary men. And the women are looking at what that would look like at 12 extraordinary women. And it's just interesting to see these men and women on who they were to Christ and to us. The ordinary people that God's using in extraordinary ways. Now turn to Acts 2. Acts 2, New Testament. Fifth book. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts... Get to Acts 2. Pastor Doug's right. It is kind of cool to hear pages turning or to hear this (laughs) on your phones. It is kind of cool. So if you consider, as you get to Acts 2, that strong foundation for training in God's word, his endurance and how he walked three years with the master. Three years walking with the master. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared them tongues of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. That was the indwelling. Jesus had said in Acts 1, that you would get power when my spirit comes into you. So listen in verse 5. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem. Devout men from every nation under heaven. So I'm stop for a second. Why was every nation under heaven in Jerusalem at that time? Think about what's going on here. He has it's Pentecost. He's, he's describing Pentecost and As a way to enhance this point, I want to point this out to you. Pentecost was a commemoration of God giving the law at Sinai 50 days after the Passover and Exodus. Luke would have known this. Luke is writing to show in Acts the parallel, the significance of giving the Spirit 50 days after the Christian Exodus Passover of the crucifixion and resurrection. All right, so check your pulse. That was a cool thing, right? So God's intentional that literally 50 days and this happens, it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Don't ever let people tell you the Bible is a series of uncollected works that just happen to flow together with different stories that may make sense if you want to believe that kind of thing. That is a lie from the pit of hell. All right? The Bible is a reliable collection of documents Written under divine authority in the presence of eyewitnesses, verified by other eyewitnesses in that time, to show miracles that were divine and not human in nature. That's our God. And our God comes with a rushing, violent wind. In that moment, everybody was there to celebrate that time. So continuing in verse 6, And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together, were bewildered because each one were hearing what Their language speak, uh, I'm sorry, let me go back. Each one was bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and marveled saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans and how is it we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? People are not used to seeing the spiritual realm intersect in our physical lives. We're not. That was a big deal. The spiritual realm intersects in our physical lives. This is exactly where God works. God is outside of time, space, and matter. And for those of you who heard that the other day, that trinity of trinities, time, space, and matter, right? Time, past, present, and future. Space, length, width, and height. Matter, solid, liquid, gas. Trinity of trinities, Dr. Paul Oven, or Ken Oven said. That's who God is. He is outside of all of that. That's where God works. Peter embraces calling. I'm going to read verse 14 as the slide comes up. Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, after all this bewilderment and confusion, Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. He embraced his train. He kicked it up to a high gear at this point. What he does next, his sermon, is the impetus to draw 3,000 people at least, it says 3,000 men to Christ. Like that. God's word is powerful. So when we're in groups, and your D groups, when you start your D groups, let's not talk about the, the latest movie. Get out God's word. Take out his word and read from his word. His word is where the power is. It's not what we think about his word. It's his word. Peter was just reciting God's word and he goes through in this part and just does that. Think about that for a second. If everybody in the whole world is there, you think it's nervous, like nerve-wracking coming up here and talking? Think about that. At least 3,000 people were there, more, and he's up there and he is just nailing them with God's truth that he didn't even know he had until the Spirit of God came inside and out from him. That's high intensity for maximum impact. Amen? So Peter kept going, and throughout the New Testament after that point, he is referenced significantly as impacting entire regions on who he was for Christ. So when we see Peter's life, we see someone that has emerged through strong training, through endurance, and three years with the master who then kicked it up for high-intensity interval training. That one interval. You know what that did to him. I mean, there are times you heard David Kennedy talk. Times when he shares Christ. How good you feel, right? How good you feel when you help other people. What do you think that did for Peter? Peter? He was craving that more. He was craving that more. And it showed in the writings in the New Testament. He finally believed all that Jesus was telling him. If you love me, feed my sheep. So that same spirit lives inside of us too. And the question is, how do we kick that up? And So as an answer, go to your table talks. (laughs) Honestly, honestly talk to your table or those around you in the chairs about how you're going to step into a role that the Spirit of God has placed you in intentionally. Because we all have that. How are you going to step into a role that the Spirit of God has placed you in intentionally? Write one way down. And we'll talk in a couple minutes. All right, so that was an honest two minutes. I know I cut some of the conversations short, but I'd love to hear, Christian, what's one way you guys talked about at your table that you think you can put into practice to step in that role? So Christian said, being a light to people in general, which automatically means he has to be out with people in general. And then the second part? Surrender and listen to the Spirit. You may not know all the Scripture in the Bible. You may not know five verses. But you know what you do know? You know to be grateful for the grace, the grace that God gave through the sacrifice of Christ on that cross to make you saved, and you can give that grace and hope to someone else. Amen? Amen. Check your pulse. Amen? (laughs) I meant to steal that. I love that. It's great. So our faith, then, is a gift from God loves us so much that he creates the world as a as a training ground for us to come back to him and that process of a believer is seen through training with strength having endurance and then kicking it up to high intensity interval training to explode as peter did we just saw with his spirit to be the example so in conclusion i just I want to encourage, first of all, I want to get the elders to start making their way up here. We're going to walk into a time of communion, but as as the message kind of closes, our faith starts somewhere. It just does. Our faith starts somewhere. It'll be built, fed into, it'll be attacked and strengthened. It'll be shown to be authentic over the long haul. But only when we engage people to give them a glimpse of life, what it looks like to be serving the Lord as his possession. In years past, we had retreat shirts that said, made for this. Are we? We are made for this. Well, cross-trained church exists to show people that this is what we're made for. We have the strong foundation and training, married with clear guide and purpose from the Lord to share him with the world. And remember our training thought for today: crave Jesus, train hard, and teach his truth to others. I want you guys to keep your training worksheets, take what you wrote down today, put into practice, share with your D group. Build accountability in action. Walk the narrow path. You can reach out to me, Pastor Doug, any of the elders or the leaders in our church, if you need more information on how to apply what we've learned. And again, I would encourage you, there's a foundation class coming up. I don't know if you knew about that. In about a week or so, on the 24th, two different times, morning and night. And next week, Pastor Doug's going to come back. He's going to talk about how to apply from the foundation we heard today and put into practice for the Bride of Christ. So instead of a song of response, as the elders take different spots around the room, instead of a song of response today, I'm going to have you guys just consider and reflect a couple things. Okay? What's the point of any of this? I've literally had that conversation with someone at work this week. What's the point? Yeah? Yeah, Sarge, what's the point? Why does it matter? Adam just said, bring others to Christ and bring glory to God. And if someone doesn't have that experience, you say that to them, they're like, well, who's Jesus? How do I know my calling? You just heard glory stories. You hear around the room. You practice with your table. What's the point of all this? The point is that we are to be his ambassadors, and we are called for that purpose. And our church is set apart as a bride for Christ. And so we're going to double down on that effort to make as strong cross trainers as we can make them I remember before Jesus was betrayed I was reading right he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane to his father in heaven and even Jesus begged of his father he said my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me but even still he walked with his face set on that cross knowing his strong purpose the pain and the uncertainty and some of the confusion and chaos that's sowed by the enemy of God are, they're everywhere right And it can be tempting to just go along. It can be tempting just to give in. I'm not going to make waves because I don't want to be looking at me. I don't want to be the one who's called out. I don't want to be the one who's in trouble. I don't want to be the one that loses and just name it. And if we live our life on the fear of man, all day long you're happy and sad. But we live for Christ and him crucified. Amen? So we have a spiritual reality that's up here that's different. It looks different to the world. And that's attractive to people that go, why are you like this? They don't get it. If my Savior didn't give in to temptation, neither will I. So he has in his Bible, we're going to pray for a little one right there. Lord, I pray that you clear the obstruction and that Brian guide his child correctly. You've already solved that issue. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So the Lord is powerful And he will do mighty things, and his word is that training path. Get into his word, get into relationships with him and other people. Get into that moment when you realize, I need to surrender. It's not up to me anymore. It's not up to me, it's up to him. If you're saved, your life is up to him. So, what are you doing with it? His final victory over sin set me free, set you free. And everyone that we share his hope with is going to set them free as well. So I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, you'll see elder couples around the room. You can go up to them in small groups, and they'll pray for you, and you can take the elements at that point. Pray with me. Father God, we have an amazing journey that we're on. And it started at the beginning of time. You said in the first couple words of the Bible, in the beginning... And you set yourself apart at that point, And you gave your heart to find our, us, your people, a way back to you. And it was a way that we couldn't do on our own. And we needed a savior because we are not in control of settling the account with the God of universe for our own sin. You gave your son Jesus for that. The only one that ever could. And as his life was given so that life would start in us, Lord, I pray that we would be a people who would share that light of your life with others in relationships, in our families, in our personal time. Lord, as Scott would pray, would you do a mighty work here now for the people that have never heard something about what I'm talking about? I'm not making it up. Check your pulse. You can see the Lord is good. Lord, I pray for The men and women hearing my voice now, I pray for people that are watching online. I pray for an opportunity to continue highlighting the magnificence of the name of Christ. And I know that we just all want to serve you and glorify your name. And it's in that name of Jesus that we all pray. Amen. So you can go find your stations as we celebrate communion together.